Hello and welcome back to another episode of Our Generation on Air. I am your regular host, Alex Bullimore, and I am back. So despite doing a great job, Dan, you don't have the res- you the stress and the responsibility of hosting this week. How do you feel about that? Um, r- rather, rather relieved, I must admit. Well, it's nice to be back, I have to say. Uh, so also joining us on this week's podcast is Micah Chudley. Micah, welcome. Hello, I like how you said regular host, you know, reassert that dominance, Alex. Absolutely. He's, <laughs> he got it off a of technicality last week. Like It's, it's never going to happen again. Um, yeah, uh, if you followed Micah's QPR account on Twitter, you'll know that he probably has a few things to get off his chest this week, as do the rest of us. Um, so... On this podcast, we will look back on the disasters that was Nottingham Forest and Peterborough and then look at the opposition for our next game, the runaway division leaders, Fulham. So that's going to be lots of fun. Uh, But let's start with the really disappointing news that both David Marshall and Chris Willock are out for the season. Um, Really heartbreaking, isn't it? I like how you, um, you put David Marshall before Chris Willock there. Um, I think that's that's, um, that's fair enough, you know. Like it's just the way it's just the way I wrote it. It's, no agendas there. We're going to lose listeners here, um, but it, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. Um, main, mainly Willock, obviously, because we've got Westwood and goal at the minute. Um, I mean, he's he's our best player, really. Uh, and to lose him with no, no, Chris Willock, Chris Willock. Um, to lose him with what eight eight games to go. Um, when we're already in a bit of a bad, bad patch, it it doesn't doesn't feel feel me a promise. Yeah, Micah, any uh, yeah, very very con- yeah, very concerning um, for a lot of reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into uh, when we discuss the Peterborough game and the Forest game. Um, looking very bleak at the moment, and it that's looking very very bleak. Yeah, I think um, like Wilberton said, you can. We've been very unlucky with the injuries at this at certain points this season. Having to sign another goalkeeper is just—I can't really think of this happening to it's any other team before. No, this cannot have happened before. What is this on second or third? I can't remember. Yeah, um, it's it's just really unfortunate at a time when we probably need everyone fit and firing. You've got Dykes out injured. You've got. Uh, Woolock and Marshall now, obviously Senny. I guess you can count him as well. Jordan Archer, no one really knows where he's he is at the moment. Um, and then obviously the point he made about the wing backs earlier on in the season being injured as well. So it's uh, it's disappointing. It's unlucky, really, and it's kind of just compounded on a very disappointing week. Um, so let's start with Nottingham Forest, a place that we always do so well at. Um, the team headlines Sanderson was in at left centre back and Dunn moved across to the right. Uh, obviously, Barbe dropping out there. No chair, Hendrick or Johansson in the starting 11, and a midfield three of Amos, Field, and Dazelle. So, what did you guys think when you first saw the side? Um, I thought it was interesting, obviously, from a few areas. I was surprised to an extent that he brought Sanderson in, um, purely because how obsessed with the the back three's been the majority of the season. Um, 
but I could see why he did it in terms of nullifying the threat of Brennan Johnson. Um, obviously done going on the right to um, to nullify Keenan Davies and, and then Dickey through the middle to to kind of be more, a bit more press resistant and build up, which we haven't always been of late. Um, I thought Amos and Dizel coming in as a pair generally, I was a bit surprised that he brought two new midfielders in. Um, but apart from that, the, the kind of team picked itself pretty much. Micah, your thoughts? Yeah, um, it was interesting. Uh, I was quite surprised to see Barbe after all this time. Was it like 99 consecutive games? Quite surprised to see him not in the lineup. Um, obviously, he didn't play against Peterborough again. There's must clearly something going on there. Um, similar to Dan, I, I'm a big fan of both Dozal and Amos. Um, didn't expect to see the two of them start together either. Um, and once I saw how we were actually lined up on the pitch, I'm just not a huge fan of, I've never, since we bought him, I've never really been a huge fan of Dunn anywhere other than as the mid, in the middle of the back three. Um, I think he's, I think he's good with his feet. I don't think he's particularly, I think he's learned. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he's a natural ball playing centre-back. I think he's learned. So I always feel he's better in the middle of that back three. Um, I was happy to see Gray start though. Um, but the midfield for me was the biggest surprise and no Barbe. Yeah, I, I, nice of you to bring it up because I was going to talk about it earlier. But what what do we think has gone on there with Johan Barbe? Obviously, his contract's running down. There's been no news of any sort of suggestion of him signing a new one. We've talked about it before that it's a bit weird having had so much information given to us last season regarding contracts and new signings that we've had nothing regarding Barbe this season, um, you know, and he's been left out the side now. Now, you know, this may be harsh, but I know maybe Michael will agree with me at this, at least. There's been times when he's played a lot worse for QPR than right now, and he's deserved not to be in the side rather than right now. So do we think that it's a contract situation? I know there was that tweet from a certain person on Twitter saying that he wants to move back to France. Um, those rumours have been going... Where did those rumours come from? Because yeah. they've been going about since, like, August. And I'm not sure where that came from. Well, this time it was from someone that was pretending to be someone last season, being in the know. Don't say his name. Not going to give him any publicity. I think you, everyone will know who I'm talking about there. Um, but it's just a weird situation, isn't it? Like, Obviously, after did he spend three years at Brentford, or am I just making that? Yeah, up? something like that. Yeah, so he's spent like about three years with us now, hasn't he? Does is yeah. does he like to just move on at the end of a contract? He signs three years, takes a team to the verge of the playoffs, and then leaves when like, job done. When, yeah, like and then you know they sign a better centre back for it in the season after, because well, I yeah I find it weird because I remember when he left Brentford. He was coming out with well, Brentford fans were saying that he left because he wanted to go and play in the Premier League. Yeah, and um, you you would think in that situation you'd probably stay another season with Brentford and see if they could do it. And obviously they went and did. And I mean, it's kind of the same with us now. You know, this is the closest we've been to promotion since he's been at the club, and he wants to go. I don't know. I mean, if it's a, if it's a case that he wants to be with his family. 
Do you know what? Fair enough. The guy's played 99 games in a row. I've been a big critic of him, but I think this season he's been one of our better players. Um, you know, he's, he's you know he's done his time. I guess it's fair enough. What I, what does bother me a little bit is that he's still our player, and I understand that with the situation with Manning and with a say Samuel, it was these guys are kind of just looking to move on, so we're not going to play them. Like the, the, like I said, the guy's played 99 games in a row. He's, his availability is better than pretty much anybody else's in the squad. And at the minute, he's probably... I mean, he is our best option at left centre-back and we're still chasing promotion. So I I just don't understand. I yeah. understand Warburton and Les have their kind of principles around it, but I don't understand why we're not playing him. I don't get he's, it. He's definitely not injured, is he? Because he made the bench. Yeah. It just seems very strange. I know, Dan, you said it was for a tactical reason for the Forest game. But I just don't understand why he's been not first choice, but he's been one of the probably first names on the team sheet for so long now. I mean, Dicky, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and he's been he's played worse than this, and yet he is out of the side for some reason. And you know, we mentioned the Asai Samuel Manning situation from last year. That didn't really work because we were worse off for just being stubborn for not playing these players. Whatever, you know, they wanted to leave, fine, whatever. But, you know, we were better when Osai Samuel played and we were a better side the season before when Manning played for us. So, you know, to deliberately tie our feet like that, if he's not, if he's literally not playing just because he's not going to sign a new contract, well, surely they would have known before now that he isn't going to sign one because it, this must have been going on all season. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean... I mean, I think I'm pretty sure of um, uh, Les said that they're going to sort the contracts at the end of the season for all of them, didn't they? Oh, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, is that really yeah. I'm enough? pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he said that um, when West London Sport interviewed him about the January transfer window. So I think I can understand people's frustrations in terms of starting against Peterborough, um, Sanderson. I think obviously Wednesday was tactical. Wolverton said that. I think he did a, perhaps earn his face. Um, for Sunday, he played. I thought he played well on Wednesday, um, and I do get like Michael said that Barbe is our best left centre back in the in the side. But maybe maybe he thought that Sanderson's mobility could have been something to to help us against Peterborough. Obviously, it didn't it didn't um, happen in hindsight. But yeah, it, it perhaps is a weird one that he started on Sunday. Yeah, but just on the just on the Sanderson point. Um... Sanderson, you know, say what you want about his form recently. You can see that's a young kid that probably has a decent future in the game. He's not going to be here next season. Like, yeah. unless we get another loan deal or unless, like, we fork out the money, he's not going to be here next season. So why why is it different for Barbe? I, don't, I just don't really understand. And then the other thing that compounds all this confusion, um, and it has been pointed out by a few people, is that you've got Geordie Device playing in Germany. Oh God! Don't get me started on that. That was before the podcast, um, listeners. Um, Alex said, "Is there anything that's going to set you off on a rant?" I forgot <laughs> that is going to set me off. The Jordi Davis decision. What on earth was that? Why did why why did we let him? Go? I think everyone was confused when he left. Right? I don't think anyone quite understood what happened there. Well, no, because he was a first team player before his injury, and regardless yeah. of how well Dunn had done, Dunn had done brilliant. Um, uh, <laughs> I just thought like. Why would you send him away? Like he's obviously a good option to have at centre back, and he is our player. We're already paying the wages. I just didn't see the need. You know, he could get injured again quite easily playing for for them. I said at the time we could 
just reduce his playing level at the moment. We had cup games when we got rid of him. Reduce his yeah. playing level and ease him back into the side so that you've actually got a valid option. Because Sanderson has come in, he's done well in some games, he's got himself sent off at other times and he's been a bit all over the place. So, you know, he's a young kid. But Jordi Device is a... He's played a lot of games at this level. He's obviously a very good player. And you know what? He's very scary. <laughs> he would just terrify forwards. And the thing is, like, it's not like we didn't know he was. I saw someone say, "Oh, oh, we just we've realised that he can't stay fit." It's not like we didn't know that when we signed him. When we had yeah. him on loan, he got injured. Like, That's the thing. We, if we didn't think at the start of the season he was going to make it through the season, don't sign him then. Don't but sign once him. you've signed him, you've got to use him in the side. It's something I feel like something must have happened behind the scenes because it's like it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Like it's yeah. just. And I, I don't want to be too critical because I, I, I'm not Warburton out, I'm not Lev out or any of that, but like a couple of the decisions like post-January I'm completely perplexed by. I just don't understand some of it. It's so I mean, weird. I, I, can, I can understand it slightly. I mean, I thought when, when we let the vice go, I thought I was like everyone, I was a bit baffled. But I mean, in terms of the vice wasn't really fit for us and I get I get that, but You've got Device, Barbe, Dickie, Dunn. All right, you've got a few ball players. You've got a few traditional traditional centre backs. But the one big thing we've always said is they've lacked mobility. Um, and in Sanderson, although he's not our own player, but he just gives us that different option, that flexibility. Um, I mean, yeah, showed... you, can, you can have both. Yeah, no, of course, of course. Um, and yeah, that, that might have been something we do. But I just think, I think the fact that people are writing Sanderson off um, is a bit ridiculous for me. I think. He comes in. We've seen his recovery pace in about three or four games. He stopped. He stopped counters numerous times for me. Um, so yeah, I, I just find I do find it all a bit weird with the device thing. But I think the whole device and Sanderson comparison is a bit bit weird for me. We are going to have to move right. on from this. As interesting as this is, because we've got quite a bit to talk about. But you know, good points made all round here. Um, let's talk about the the first goal that we scored. Andre Gray. And we'll talk about his finishing later on, but I feel like this goal has perhaps gone under the radar because I watched it for the first time today. I thought, bloody hell, what a fantastic finish that is. I mean, it's not even that good of a ball from Chair, but it's a fantastic finish from Gray, isn't it? It is. Oh uh, I, think the, yeah. I think, sorry, go on, Michael. No, nah, sorry, I just realised, I thought you were talking about the um, Peterborough goal, so I've got my goals mixed up. So oh. um, I mean... I think I think the, the the chair ball does deserve a little bit more credit personally. Um, I mean, he's weaved his way out of I think two three defenders at the time to create the space, and then I mean the movement from Gray. Um, I thought personally that was Gray's best all round number nine performance of the season uh, in that half particularly more so because we didn't really give him much service in the second half. Um, I mean, his movement between centre backs and on their blind side is pretty much the best of all our all our strikers. Um, it's just it's just his bread and butter, really. Um, it's why we bought him as a different option to the likes of to, um, Austin and Dykes. Um, and the finish is good as well. It's low and hard um, from quite a sharp angle. Um, so, yeah, good goal. Yeah. And obviously, this is something you tweeted, Micah. Obviously, I guess it was probably before the Peterborough game, but you tweeted saying that he's benefiting from a run in the side. I know... Oh, yeah. It's probably quite an easy assist, but he gets the assist for the goal against Peterborough. He should score against Peterborough as well, but he does score against Forest, and he's scored what like four goals probably recently, three or four goals. 
So, yeah, you know, like that. he's benefiting from a run in the team, isn't he? Yeah, it's, it's a shame for him because, again, I've said it a million times on this podcast. It's it's nothing to do with Warburton picking him. It's nothing to do with the player. It's just, you know, numerous things have happened to him. COVID, cancellations, injuries. He's just not been able to benefit it. But like Dan said, that Forest performance was probably his his best. Definitely his best 45 minutes. Um yeah, it's just a shame now. Obviously, with Willock out, we can't get the two of them. I thought they were linking up quite well before he got injured against Forrest. It's a shame. But obviously, you know, as we've said, that pass from Chet is just brilliant. Like, it's, it's just, he's, he's kind of like facing one way and like his body's facing one way and he's managed to sort of just dig it out between the fullback and the centre-back. And it's, it's a great finish. Um, honestly, I can't remember what you just asked me. I've completely gone on a tangent. What's the question again? You're saying that he's benefiting from a run in the side, so I think yeah. you've answered that. Don't worry. Yeah, I've answered it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, then obviously uh, Spence hits a ridiculous strike, um, and you know there's not not much you can do about that once he's hit it, really. But is it disappointing that from that position we kind of let it slip? I understand it was an amazing goal, and possibly in the end because of other factors the pressure tells and we lose the game. But at that moment in time, when I think you guys were saying to me via uh, messages that it was actually, you know, it was, it was sort of fairly even at that point. Was it disappointing that we gave goals away? Um, I think, I think so. Um, but generally I was, I didn't re- quite realise until after the game that we, we didn't have a single shot in the game after the 47th minute. So I think that kind of, that kind of summarises how how um, different the two halves were in terms of pressure from both sides. I mean, after that, we kind of felt like we were just sitting back for the majority of that that second half and couldn't really sustain sustain the pressure. Obviously, Spencer game was running at us. Um, they had Johnson obviously was fairly fairly nullified, but um, yeah, that 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 goal definitely felt like the turning point. I reckon if if they they probably were, it was one nil, but ten minutes ten minutes later, they might have run out of ideas. But that kind of goal felt like the turning point for me. Yeah, I guess when something like that happens, it kind of encourages the rest of your team to start performing better. You, Dan, you thought that Marshall could have done better there, don't you think? Did I say that? I didn't say that. <laughs> don't no. don't try don't, don't don't try and wind me up. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's unfortunate because having watched the highlights, I think Marshall's having. <laughs> A pretty good game even with the injury that he does pick up eventually and obviously that's something that is kind of telling in the goals that we concede um <clears throat> uh, so we've already made all our subs haven't we once marshall gets injured so that's why he's not taking off um but he still makes a few good saves doesn't he right yeah he did all right he did all right um a couple good saves um, and then I think you could see his body just gave up on him by the end of it. Like, yeah. He just had to come off, didn't he? Um, I feel I feel bad for him, actually, because uh, just on a personal level, I'm not sure where he's going to be next season, but I did feel like he'd done well enough for us to maybe either get another contract with us or maybe a lower championship team would take him on, starting keeper. So I, I feel bad for him in that respect. Yeah, it's difficult because he, he got called up for the Scotland side, which was uh, not entirely a surprise for me. Um, but 
disappointing that he's, you know, because he could have been going, I mean, there's still a lot to do, but, you know, Scotland are only two games away from potentially qualifying for the World Cup. That's another tournament for him at obviously a very late stage in his career. And there's no guarantee he'd be the number one choice, but being in the squad, I think that's something that every footballer would want to try and achieve at some point going to a World Cup. Um, so he's missed out on that opportunity potentially. Like you said, he is at the older end of the scale for a footballer. So he might have to call it a day after this with coming back from an injury. I don't know how, you know, it's bad enough to keep him out to the end of this season. And I'd like to think that we, you know, stand by him and provide him at least with, you know, some support until the end of the season, regardless of what his contract situation is, like we've done with other players in the past with Rangel, trying to, you know, giving them rehab to get back from injury. Because he's come in and done, he's done good for us in games. He has obviously made mistakes, but I still feel like he's uh, deserving of some sort of care and support from the club. Um Let's talk about the first goal then, because having looked at it on the highlights, I was not enraged, but I saw a few things there that I wasn't quite happy with. Obviously, they're trying to do some sort of mixture between zonal marking and man-to-man. So you've got, I think, three players marking players on the edge of the box, and then you've got Wallace, Dickey and Moses, if I'm not mistaken, sort of zonally marking an area. And just behind them is the goal scorer um dan what did you think of this goal because i kind of I, I picked out three errors in this goal uh, um i mean i didn't i haven't i haven't looked back since last last week um on the goal but if i remember rightly the the, the delivery of the corner was quite weird i felt um i don't know whether it was planned to be short or, or short or not but it didn't really even be, beat the first man. Um, and then I think it's Sanderson is marking Yates at the time. Um, and he kind of, Yates gets in front of him for the flick on. And then uh, who, oh, who scores it? Sorry, I can't remember who scores it. Sturridge? Sam Sturridge? Sorry, Sturridge, Sturridge, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just, it, it's it's a, I don't know how much you can blame on the on the marking per se, because I, I don't know whether the, the delivery was meant to be short or not. But, um it certainly felt off that goal went in, I think it was the 83rd, 84th minute, that it was going to be a hard, hard task to um to come back from that one. We've been sitting off them for the most part of like 30, 40 minutes. Mikey, you've been smiling throughout that answer. What no, I've just, I've just watched because I was remembering the goal and I was trying to remember who it was that lost Sarah to the corner. <laughs> I'll give you a clue, it wasn't done and it wasn't Dickie. <laughs> No, um, the thing is, Dunn also loses his, mark, his man as well in that move. Is that for the, Not for the, for the second the, one or the third one? doesn't get involved. He doesn't score the goal, but Dunn, um, like, basically, someone's, like, standing still and Dunn just runs into them instead of, like, running around and, like, he loses marker. So, the ball, if the ball went into the box properly, there's a high chance that that, oh, yeah. that Dunn, you know, no. the, the whole yeah. situation, right, just the whole goal, there was... Def- there was errors everywhere from my point of view. I think when you you can obviously mark zonally, and this is a slight error on Marshall as well, but if he's got a player standing next to him, then you tell one of your centre-backs or you tell one of his, the three players standing in front of you to please get Sturridge away from you for a start. You get someone in between them. He's being played onside by Moses, who seems to be 
he, he's more at the front post, but he just waits behind Moses and then he's kind of in between Dickey and Wallace. And I just, they're just not doing anything. One of, you could, one of them has got to pick him up because they've just <laughs> left him unmarked. And regardless if the corner's meant to be like that, you've left on a, a striker unmarked in the box. Well, the thing is for me, if you're going to do a mix between zone and man, at least put someone stood in front of that big gap where the front post where Serridge ran into. Because it's like, if you're going to have if you're going to have some people marking space, why don't you mark the space where most corners end up getting scored from, which is which is the near post. Like I'm watching it now, and it like there's just a massive gap. When the corner comes in, there's just a massive gap. And of course, Surridge is going to run into that. Like, of course he yeah. is. Like, why wouldn't he? Like, does Dickie not slip though? I'm, I can't remember exactly. Does Dickie slip? I can't does remember Dickie if he slips. Slip. I know that Moses steps up, trying to win the ball back. Yeah, Moses kind of steps, but he stops because Sanderson, as usual, was trying to grab the player's shirt, and Dunn is kind of caught between: should I stand in this space or should I go with this man? Dickie, I'm not sure where Dickie is in this. I think Dickie's somewhere. But it's, it's, it's just weird. It's just like, it's like, do you know what? It's funny. Um, I was talking to Ben, um, for those who, actually Ben was on the pod, of course, you guys know who Ben is, if you listen to this. Uh, and I was saying, it's insane that we've gone from like the team that conceded the most set pieces in the league to the team that's conceded one of the least. But that, that set piece was like 2018, 19 QPR. It was just like, what on earth? Like, it's just... I just, I just remember I remember, I remember my dad saying as soon as the corner went in he said oh they can score and they did it's just I think there's defensive areas from everyone there really and it just the way it's set up the way that it's moving it just it didn't look good at all and when you defend like that like you kind of you just deserve to to concede the goal really I mean Marshall yeah. can't do much with the save it's point blank he's only working off one leg at this point um, we've mentioned the fact that he probably had a part to play in it, but the whole goal just seemed to be lacking any. I mean, it was sort of. I, I was going to say it lacks organisation. It was clearly organised. It was just organised in the complete wrong way. Um, very quickly, let's move on to the last goal of this game. Um, Marshall again struggling. He does make a good save, um, but then it's just one of them follow up and I think it's Field and Dunn who tried to block it but they can't block it and you know Marshall's just like you said he's, his body had gone at that point he was just sort of he put his hands up and yeah like now I've got to come off after this like there was no way he was making that double save um, but Dan am I right in saying that this kind of I definitely saw in the highlights that Dunn was out of position for this and he gets caught out lack of pace yeah yeah that's what I thought um, I mean naturally he lacks a bit of pace mobility um but i think Cafu comes from a ridiculously deep um deep position and manages to he should score it really um and then and then yeah brennan johnson reacts to the to the second ball and and scores when marshall basically can't really do much about it so um yeah it was a disappointing third goal um well, we know we're weak in areas and of transitions um but it was kind of game game over at that but at that point, anyway, um, but yeah, it was wasn't a great goal to concede. Micah, I think to just just on the point, I think to Brennan Johnson's credit, like Dan said, obviously Cafu's gone. Brennan Johnson's kind of just picked up this position on the edge of the box. 
he reacts quicker than anybody else to that save. So that there's kind of Forest players throwing their hands up, hands in the air. He, like that, straight to the edge of the six-yard box, screaming for it. Um, he's obviously got a very big future in the game. Uh, very good player. Um, I do agree. Dunn is caught way out of position. And one thing that Dunn does, which is criminal, is that once he's lost Cafu, he just assumes that Cafu is going to score. So he kind of just throws his hands up, which is one yeah. of the things I hate in football when it's your fault and you throw your hands up. But the thing is, obviously, he doesn't save it. So what you've got is you've got Dunn facing the wrong way and the ball's just come back out. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Dunn should have got there. I'm not saying that anybody would get there. What I am saying is you have to at least try and make it difficult for Brennan Johnson in that situation because Brennan Johnson's got the freedom of the goal to aim. Marshall's on the floor. He's got one leg. Like the, the guy's on his deathbed, basically. <laughs> You've but got you, you, <laughs> the thing that they always say, like my dad has said it to me when I was playing. Coach has said it to me when I was younger as well. Play to the whistle. Play to the whistle. Absolutely. And... I mean, yeah, you 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 know, you might say, look, the game was over, we weren't gonna win anyway, but blah, 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 blah. but one goal could be is, so important. Exactly. We don't we don't know that. Like we don't I know we yeah. didn't have a shot for like a good forty minutes in the game, but we, we don't know that. Like it could have it just it's just frustrating to me because it, it feels like the players that's the first time I watched it and I felt like the players are starting to believe it's not gonna happen. Well that you know it was I mean? that was it that that was the game when we fell out of the playoffs on goal difference, wasn't it? Yeah. That's how tight it is at the moment. We've still got a chance of being there. They they do Massively. need to improve, but there's a big chance that we could still end up in the playoffs. It's not over by any stretch of the imagination. It's like you over, said, but... one goal could be so important come the end of the season. We are tied on goal difference, I think, right now with Middlesbrough. Yeah. How can just... With you've a game got in to, hand. You've, Yeah, you have got to defend to the final whistle you've got to keep on fighting to the final whistle and don't give up that's he was he apparently cares more than anyone else he I don't, gave I up don't think i don't think it's just about the defending i get that point i mean the first half i think the first half approach was was right obviously aim we haven't talked about it but Amos missed that chance um and i don't know how he missed that chance and what potentially two, potentially two nil at halftime Changes the game slightly. Um, he, he missed that. Thought, of, he missed that at nil nil though. I think to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Of course. Um, but I think even even when Willett was on the pitch before injury, um, it was clear that we were trying to find him between the lines, get him on the half turn and run it there. Their back three, which worked until he got injured. Um, so there's these there's these two turning points for me that although we didn't play well second half, could have changed the changed the game yeah. with fine margins. Yeah, um, I must admit. I expected a loss here, to be honest. It's QPR playing away at Nottingham Forest. A lot better QPR teams have gone to Nottingham Forest and lost. Uh, and then one sort of average one went and won. So I don't, I didn't expect anything different from this game. But what most fans will be enraged about is what we're going to be talking about next, which was Peterborough on Sunday. Okay, so yeah, let's move on to Peterborough. And as always, we'll start with the team. The headlines, I guess, for this one was obviously a debut for Kieran Westwood. Sanderson, again, played, preferred again ahead of Barbe, as we've already discussed. Uh, Adoma came back into the side instead of Moses. And this time, uh, it was a midfield of Amos, Field, Zell, and then Chair, who replaced Willock. So, pretty much the same side, bar a few changes. Was there any 
I mean, I think Sanderson has a worse performance in this game, so it'd be safe to say that that was probably a side that you were expecting. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I can un- I can actually understand why um, he put continue with Dickey centrally because um, obviously they press with two strikers, so it gives us an extra man in build up, and then done on the left. I know he's not. That's not his preferred position. Um, and he's he's not left footed either. But I, I think I'm, I'm guessing he um, he was on the left hand side to to come up against Clark Harris, um, who's quite a physical physical threat. But yeah, apart from that, the, the lineup was probably what, I, what what was expected. Let's get the one positive as well out of the way. Our one goal very early in the game. Uh, good play from Amos, isn't it? He wins the ball back, does a one-two, and then a nice finish down the same end that he scored that Reading goal, which, you know, what was that, like two years ago? Three years ago now? <laughs> Feels <laughs> ages. <laughs> so Great goal, though. Great finish. I don't, I, I don't understand how he misses that one from about five yards out against Forrest. And then, like, five days later just winds on up from about 20 yards and tucks it in the bottom corner. I have no idea how he's done that, but it's, it's a great goal. Yeah. I thought when I heard about it on the radio that I oh, scored from 25 yards, it must be a good finish, but thinking about it, is this going to, am I going to look at it and think, God, there was no one else in front of him. So he had to take the shot. Not really. There was like four runners, including him. And it was, it just opened up for him, didn't it? And you know what? Yeah. He made the right decision because there'd be times throughout this season where other players and probably him as well would have maybe looked to do one more pass when it was so obvious that you just need to shoot from distance. Um, But then after that, they have a pretty good chance. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name. What's his name? Smodix. Smodix. Very good shot. All stems from us not being able to clear the ball. Not for the first time I've seen done unable to trap the ball from across and clear it. It goes underneath him somehow uh, as he's stepping backwards. But is this a sign for things to come throughout the game, Dan? Um, possibly. I mean, I thought first half of our pressing was was pretty good. So I think we had two or three chances from, from turnovers. Obviously the goal, um, the grey 1v1. Um, I think Chair had a shot that hit wide as well. So I mean, really, we should have been out probably outside before before they they equalised. Um, but I didn't think Peter were as bad as people made out. Um, for me, I thought they're a lot better under McCann than they are were under Ferguson when we played them twice. Um, and they had their threats. Um, but yeah, you could you could say the goal the goal was coming um, essentially. Uh, but before that goal, we have an excellent chance to make it to two nil, which. Uh... Micah has expressed some thoughts on it. Micah, come on, uh, talk us through this. I don't know if it's the fact that he missed such a good chance or the fact that it resulted in them going up and scoring at the other end. Good Lord. Like, <laughs> just head it. Just head it towards the goal. It goes in. That is the only place you need to put it. And uh, the thing is, I actually thought we were playing quite well up until that point. And I think at 2-0 a team that haven't won a game under that manager, 2-0 down going in at half-time, like, they're gone. Like, mentally, they're gone. we probably go on and win that game, maybe three or four. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, he has to score. As simple as that, he has to score. I mean, the only positive is that it's a nice cross from Adoma, isn't it? Sort of like Great back cross. to the crossing that he's been putting in at the start of the season. So, you know, it's unfortunate. And uh, it's obviously the turning point really in the game because then they go on and score an equaliser. Um, it's a thing. It's a long ball, isn't it? Done. Doesn't win the header, first of all. Is it Clark Harris who wins the header? Yeah. Um, Flicks it on yeah, and done. Dickie's done. right behind him. I was kind of, again, done. confused at the positioning here because, what, so Sanderson's meant to be the left centre-back, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, Dickie's, Dickie. No, um, no, no. Dun, Dun's, Dun's left centre-back. Oh, Dun's Sanderson's left centre-back. on the right. So, right. so he loses he loses the draw to Clark Harris. But it gets very on... feels it gets very narrow very quickly because Dickie is does, right does. behind him and not in line with Sanderson. Yeah, well the, the the flick on the flick on goes past Dickie and then Marriott makes the run blindside of Dickie. That's when Sanderson uses his pace to recover. But then Marriott <laughs> Marriott Marriott. Marriott no, I think that's been a bit that's a bit generous. <laughs> a bit generous <laughs> to say he recovered. The thing is, right, Dickie flicks it on unintentionally, whatever. But I'm not quite sure why how he's ended up there. Sanderson has is man is is close to the guy anyway. But when he gets into the box, there isn't really much that Sanderson can do at that point apart from really giving away a penalty. And he's probably lucky not to. If it goes on a little bit further and he doesn't get the shot away. He probably will give a penalty away. So I'm not blaming Sanderson altogether at all. He maybe could have been a bit wiser to what the guy was about to do and try and get up the blocking. But I think I think it's it's a, it's a failure on the back three. But it comes down to really with with Marriott, who was giving Sanderson trouble all afternoon. He's trying to show Sanderson wide, which is the right thing to do. But he does this thing, and I was literally just talking to my dad about this before the record. But it really annoys me, which is he's a big... This is why I say he's going to have a good future in the game because he's a big, strong, physical guy. He's got the right profile to be a really good centre-back. But he's too handsy. Like, use your body and block him. Use your body and show him right. If you watch it, he's just grabbing grabbing at his shirt, grabbing at his shirt. And you say the only thing he can do is give away a penalty. He looked like he was trying to, to yeah. be honest. It's like... You, he's trying to show him wide, but because he's not getting his body, he hasn't angled his body the right way to show him wide. So because of that, what he's actually doing is showing him towards goal. Which, again, he's a young defender. He's going to make mistakes. And the mistake he made is a result of Dunn and Dickey making mistakes. So I'm not, I'm not lying to blame fully with him. I mean, he was but, put in a bad situation. But yeah, like you said, if he gets his body in the line better... Then he's because he, he's he's right yeah. next to him. He needs to be more, for, like you said, forcing wide because he is just going to give away a penalty. And if you remember last yeah. season, away at Barnsley, I think it was Dicky. Before that, very handsy, gives away a penalty, yeah. gets sent off. After that, doesn't do it so much, and is a much better yeah. defender for it. It's 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 little things like that. And I mean, if if you're a striker, and the guy is kind of showing you wide, but there's a bit of space to wriggle through but he's also got his arm on you. You're going to keep running because you know that if he keeps pulling your shirt, it's going to become so blatantly obvious that he's pulling you. You just have to go down and the ref's yeah. going to give him a pass. And, and again, yeah. 
I don't want to, I don't want to blame him because again I think Dunn has to win that header and I'm not quite even though I thought Dicky was the best of the three I'm not quite sure what Dicky was kind of doing but it's 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 just a little bit frustrating for me kind of like watching him defend sometimes a little bit yeah I thought that the Dunn one he's just expecting for that header to fall and like clearly no no communication behind him say because I think Clark Harris runs up from his blind side. And, you know, you got to let him know at least that there's someone coming. So he's yeah. got to try and get up in the air. If you commit a foul in that area, you might get a yellow card. You're probably not going to get a red card. So if, if you yeah. need to, just take out Clark Harris, like in the air. Just just go up to hit him rather than the ball because you're not going to get sent this, off. Like, is this done or Sanderson? Done. Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Sanderson could have won. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah not fair. Sanderson. But yeah. like Dickie and Sanderson are behind him. They must see him coming. Yeah, you, you, some, there's got to be some sort of communication there to say, "Done, you've got to get up, get, get up, get up, get up," because he's just waiting there, waiting there, waiting there, and it allows the opportunity for him to come and win the ball. Um, so yeah, I think it's a pretty poor uh, defensive effort all round, to be honest. Uh, in that first goal, the second goal, Dan, this is something that you've mentioned a few times. Done getting isolated, and it eventually cost us a penalty. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I didn't tweet about it a few weeks ago. I'm pretty sure I ever said to you and my brother, um, his, his mobility or foot speed has been a bit of an issue for me. Um, it doesn't make him a bad player, but I think it's cost us in areas. Um, so too is um, his lack of progressive passing, but that, well, I'm sure we'll touch on that another time. Um, but yeah, we, we leave him isolated 1v1. I mean, you could potentially say that Dickie could come across quicker and sweep, um, give him a bit of bit of backup but it, it, you can tell he's too square from his positioning when I um I wrote about it and then as Ward comes in in inside he he can't he can't turn quick enough and has to commit with a foot and um, for me it's a penalty I've seen people say he gets the ball but it's clear for me that he can't turn quick enough to to stop him yeah so you're saying it, it is a penalty Dan yeah 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 Micah Definitely, he swiped his legs. Definitely, yep. definitely. It's the, what I thought was hilarious. The fact, what I thought was hilarious is the fact that he carried on and then the ref did yeah. whistle and he turned around like he had no idea. It's like you've swiped his legs. Like it's a penalty. <laughs> the ball's on the other side of the player, isn't he? He gets nowhere near the ball, but it's no. one of these things where he waits and waits and waits to make the tackle and then makes a tackle inside the box. Inside, it's yeah, one of these things I've never understood about modern football like or maybe it isn't just modern football maybe it's been football forever I don't know but it's something I've definitely noticed from some QPR teams and other teams about in the Premier League Championship whatever they let players come towards them into the box and then right now it's the time to give a, a penalty away yeah. what are you doing at least give a free kick away outside the box and it's just it just doesn't make sense um, yeah, yeah. Um, so yes it was a penalty. Um, their third goal, a brilliant finish, I have to say. Westwood can do nothing about that and fair play because that's killed us off in the game, hasn't it, when that third goal goes in. But this is probably the moment where Sanderson has been at most faults. He doesn't really do much to stop him, does he? I, don't want to, I feel like I'm having a go at him this whole pod again. <laughs> He's just shown him inside. Like he's shown a right-footed player inside. Why? <laughs> Why? No, I mean, 
It's a great finish. It's a great finish. And to be fair, I thought Marriott, not sure he had an amazing game, but the moments where he needed to be decisive, he was. But it's just, yeah, again, shows him inside, grabbing at him again. I'm just like, why? Just why? That's all I can say. Yeah. Dan, what what was your thoughts on the third goal? Um, similar to Micah, really. I mean, it's, it's similar to the dumb one. Both both tried to show um, Ward and um, Marriott to the, down the channel. Um, obviously, like Micah said, he's right third, so he's going to cut in. I mean, I'm a bit surprised uh, Sanderson more than done that he hasn't, with his mobility, hasn't been able to to catch up with him. But yeah, it's a it's a very good strike, and Westwood's got absolutely no chance. Um, and that kills the game. I mean, it's 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 frustrating because there's two two isolated one v one situations in wide areas, and they've just gone and killed us in about two three minutes. Um, and then it just looks like an uphill battle from there. Yeah, um, you wrote a pretty extensive article on what happened throughout the game. And one of the things I didn't notice uh, until I went reading through that is that we switched to a back four. So just yeah. talk us through that for a second. <clears throat> yeah, well, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't, at the ground, I wasn't paying too much attention to it. Um, obviously at that point, it really reached a, a toxic atmosphere on the ground. But yeah, we switched to a 4 2 3 one after the substitutes, which I'm sure we'll touch on. Um, and... It didn't. It didn't really work. But I thought I was quite impressed with for 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 a switch in formation mid game, which is quite a rarity under Wolverton. I was quite impressed with the relationship between fullback and winger, particularly with McCallum and Thomas. Um, just just we looked looked like we were exploiting them through wide areas, and obviously McCallum had a few few opportunities on the overlapped um, few crossing situations. I think we came closest with the the Hendrick header that um, went wide, but that was probably the main the main talking point from the system change, but I wouldn't really expect um, that system going going forward. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the substitutes then. You mentioned them there, and I'll just go through them. Uh, so in the 57th minute, Dazelle and Amos come off, Austin and Hendrick come on, and then in the 58th minute, Thomas comes on for Andre Gray. And at the time, when I, well, when I saw uh, the tweet saying who had come on. I think I said to you guys in the group chat that if there was ever three players at this specific moment in time to wind up the QPR fan base even more than they are at the moment, it's those three players. So putting aside the fact that you've you've brought them on, let's look at who you've taken off. Amos and Gray, the, the goal creator and then the goal scorer. And I don't know how well... Dazelle played, but he's a progressive player. So he did not have a good game. Okay, he didn't have a good game. So (laughs) Dazelle, yeah, you can go off, mate. But the thing is, Hendricks come on. He hasn't played brilliantly recently, and he's not really endeared endeared himself to the QPR faithful. Um, Austin has seemed to have, even though basically got us promoted and kept nearly kept us in the Premier League, has seemed to have run out of all credit with QPR fans at some point, Uh, and you know. I mean, he hasn't been playing well enough either. And then you've got George Thomas, someone who's been hated by certain members of the fan base from the moment he stepped through the door at QPR. So, substitutes, talk me through them. Is there an explanation? Do you think they were? it was the right ones? Was it a little bit too early? 
or was did he uh, have to make a change at this point? Um, well, Wolves, Wolves explained them after the game. Um, he's uh, I, the Amos one. He didn't quite mention about the fitness. Um, obviously, we know he's quite obsessed with the sports science and the managing minutes. Gray was definitely managing minutes. He said, um, I think he played. He said he played 90, 90 and 77 or one, um, maybe not in that order, but um, those three games. Um, And he didn't want to risk an injury for Gray with the injuries we've got, which is fair enough. But I find a little bit, a little bit weird with the international break coming up. I don't know if he's gone on international duty, Um, but yeah, I found that one slightly weird, even with the explanation. Um, Thomas, one I understood, Um, he said he wanted to stretch Peterborough a little bit more. Uh, We didn't really... I think people, I know people hate the XG stats, but second half we created 0.12, which is pretty appalling. Um, and we didn't really threaten the crosses into the box, so I could understand that one to an extent. Um, and I mean, Hendrick, I think, was the only midfielder in our off the bench. Um, and like Mike said, I didn't think Dizel had a brilliant game. Um, the Austin one I didn't get, though. Austin, the like for like felt weird. I think we should have gone two up top personally. But we did change the system, so um, I don't know. It, feel, it feels a bit mixed, mixed feelings for me. The th- the, um, the thing with Austin, like you said, he's plays better in a two, and I don't want to have to bring it up again. But I wrote an article earlier on this season. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't stay in the number nine position where he'd be so much better if he just does that. Uh, so he, he did Sunday. In fairness, he did, he did Sunday. But he kind he of finally to. read it. No, he, he kind of had to because I mean. We were chasing the game um, and it felt like at the times we were, particularly from a doma, it felt like we were forcing needless crosses into the box at the times um, unnecessarily. Um, but yeah, he, he missed a big chance, I thought, or a decent chance um, early on in the second half. The other thing to say, of course, is where's Stefan Johansson, the captain of the side, not on the bench. He's been in and out of the side. People don't you know the credit that he like I said with, with those three players if there's anyone else that could frustrate people anymore it might actually be Johansson he seemed to have used up all credit he got in basically keeping us in the league last season um, despite that there was a tweet I think you sent to us yesterday Dan of how good he's been um, or how progressive he actually is over 7.5 progressive passes per 90 throughout this season is what he averages. So that is quite clearly better than anyone else in the side and is better than, you know, most players in the championship. Uh, only read Matt Grimes and a few other players have got better, better average than that. So where was he? I think he was ill. Was he I ill? So. I think so. Yeah, he's got, he's, he's having quite a few illnesses this season. Must be. Yeah. Have a dodgy immune system or something. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. I, it kind of felt like that was the game for him. Um, yeah, okay. And someone that someone that could set the tempo, slow it down at times, uh, speed out when needs be, um, and try and try and break break Peterborough's um, low block open. But yeah, it was a, it was a it was a weird one. His ab, his absence. Is there anything else that you want to bring up on Peterborough? I mean, you guys watched the game. I didn't. So, is there anything else that I've missed out here? Um, do you know what? Uh, I actually thought on a on a day of really bad performances, I thought Dicky, other than the first goal, was actually all right. I thought 
McCallum being back was massive for us. I thought he actually did really well on that left side. Uh, and of course, Field is Mr. Consistent and Amos had a good game. Um, I, th- uh, I, I think, think Westwood as well. Yeah, sorry, Westwood, I, I, yeah, should have, not, I should have said, as soon as he made his debut, what are our thoughts on he, he, Westwood? He kept, us at th- he kept us at 3-1 in the last 10 minutes or so with the one-on-one. Um, yeah, he did. But yeah, no, sorry, Michael, you go, you go. No, no, you're right now. Just, just to echo that, yeah, he, he had a good game. I mean, obviously, very experienced goalkeeper. Um, yeah, the, the, the one thing for me that concerns me a little bit is that although I thought Chair was all right, I think this is where we're really going to miss Willock is that Chair just seems to get the ball in that like left hand side that like either out on the left wing or inside that like left half space and I don't know it, it's it's tough because we we don't really I saw a, some kind of um, graphic the other day which says that like the majority of our attacks attacks come from the wide areas we have barely anything in the middle and I think the difference is is the chair kind of floats into that wide space and Willock is more able to kind of attack from the middle. Um, again, not to make it all doom and gloom, but <laughs> I think we're going to create quite a few less chances without Willock. And it's going to be very, very tough for us to score goals going forward. Well, just um, briefly then, before we move on to our preview of the Fulham game, which is after the international break, of course, has this defeat put us out of contention in your eyes for a playoff spot and just to run you through the fixtures we've got to play Fulham at home Sheffield United both home and away Preston away Huddersfield away Derby at home Stoke away Swansea away as well Um, that's four teams either in the playoffs or or, sorry four games against opposition in the playoffs or in the automatic positions and then four teams in the lower half of the table with obviously Derby in the relegation zone as it stands. So are we out of it? No. No, I don't think no, I don't think so. No. It, it seems it seems doom and gloom because of the form. Um will it be injured? But I mean you take four points from probably Sheffield United. Um you beat Huddersfield um and you maybe put a few wins together on a run and then we're probably back in it. So you um, really hope 12. for four against Sheffield United, is what you're saying. I think you need four. I think I'd say you probably want four minimum. I think three's okay, but if we lose both of them, I think it's it's pretty much um, because over. the away match against them is our game in hand, which again is after the international break, comes quickly after the Fulham game. Yeah, you you if you look at it, um, I was looking at it the other day. I said the other day I've been looking at it since the start of the season. To be honest, the average. Um, points for the playoffs is something like 71.1 so if, if we win four games I believe that takes us to 72 I think so most years that's enough do you know what I it's mean? Just the fact that it's so tight it's tight that's the problem it's that's, tight. that's the fit we're in bad form we've got a really difficult run in um, but you know I'm going to be that QPR fan that sounds old and has lived through everything but I do remember in 2011-12 we had 10 games to go and I think it was like Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal, Man City and everyone thought we were down. And obviously, everyone knows how the story goes. We stayed up on the last day. So it's you can't say we're out of it when we're, I think, out of the playoffs on goal difference, is it? Or something? I haven't even looked at the Point table. Point saying goal at the moment, I think. 
But yeah, so we're not out of it. No. Just looks unlikely. We should be, I think, until it's absolutely mathematically impossible to get in 100% behind this side because it's a little bit rocky at the moment. The atmosphere's been a bit toxic recently, but, you know, realistically, this side have been quite entertaining this season and, you know, they need proper support now more than ever. They don't need to be slagged off in the stadium. They need proper fans getting behind them. Anyway, let's move on to the uh, daunting prospect of playing against Fulham. We obviously lost 4-1 against them at their place earlier on in the season when we were in considerably better form. This game is probably going to be, for those watching it at home, this is going to be a real hide-behind-the-sofa game, isn't it? Because I can't... I mean, at this point... I wouldn't say I'm scared, but I'm sort of worried about what they might do in this, like we said, particularly toxic time for us. I mean, I'm a bit scared. Um, <laughs> I mean, what? They've got quality all over the pitch, haven't they? Uh, Mitch Rich has got 34 goals this season. Uh, they've got Harry Wilson, Carvalho. They've got they've got depth galore. Um, at a time where we're, we've got some key injuries and um, we're, we're like, seconds from bottom in the, the form table. So I think it's natural to feel, feel um, worried about this game. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's about it, really. Mike, are you scared then? Oh, I'm massively scared. Um, yeah, I was talking to someone yesterday about Fulham and they were saying, how do you think Fulham will do when they come up? Because it's at that point now where people don't even, there's not even a question that Fulham are going up. Um Look, this this Fulham team isn't your ordinary championship team. I think Marco Silva is probably a better manager than four or five of the managers in the Premier League currently. Mitrovic is obviously a, a monster. Obviously, Carvalho is going to Liverpool for a reason. It's a it's a good team. Like it's it's a very very good team. And um, I'm not sure what their form is like at the moment. I think they're probably in well. Good actually, form. their last two games they lost to West Brom and then drew with Barnsley. Yeah. But then you go. Oh, they drew one. Barnsley. They, they shouldn't have drawn. <clears throat> they shouldn't have drawn that Barnsley game. Uh, Harry Wilson missed an absolute sitter. But then, if oh, you okay. go back one game before that, they absolutely demolished Swansea at their place, yeah. which is the game we probably should look at, um, and we will do in a little bit. Um, but before that, very big question, and I hope you both have an answer for it. How do we beat Fulham? PEDs. Uh, we score more goals than them. Yeah, I was hoping for a bit more than that, lads. All I've got is performers in hearts and drugs, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, yeah, we're, we're going to have to nullify pretty much all their threats. <clears throat> and then I think we're going to need a slice of luck as well. Um, Big slice. Yeah, that, I mean, that is generally what happens. You look at uh, not the FA Cup games, for example, where you, the smaller teams play the bigger teams. They have to do everything right on the day and they need luck on their side. Um, and it feels like that's what we're going to need, um, <clears throat> especially with injuries. Yep. I mean, looking back earlier in the season, we thought that, I mean, we continued to say in this podcast that Jordi Device is a pretty good championship centre-back and Mitrovic chewed him up and spat him out again. So... You know, yep. Dunn was is in for a real treat at the weekend if he is going to be playing 
in the more central role, he's going to have to, you know, if he does manage to nullify Mitrovic, then that's a big tick in his column. But I don't think he will. It requires the whole back three, doesn't it? Because I remember so early on in that game, uh, Dickey had a chance to clear the corner that they scored from. And, you know, he just doesn't do it. Um, very quickly, any changes to the side that we would put out? Any changes at all formation-wise as well? You know what? That's an interesting question because if if there's any time to, to change your system or tweak your system a little bit, it would be when you've got two weeks off, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So... I'm I'm interested. Would you guys? I know you've just asked me, but would you change the system, Alex? I would. would yeah. You switch it? I think we're in need of something a little bit different. And I find that sometimes of this five at the back, the wrong players end up on the ball too often. I done mm-hmm. Dicky and Barbe, and when Barbe's not playing a diagonal, um, there's not been enough from the midfield either. I know we everyone likes field, but he isn't really progressive enough. So when he's playing as a two in the midfield, you you kind of lose a bit there. Johansson, I think, is one that I would like to see alongside him more often than not. And he does pitch in with the defensive duties. So you don't lose as much when you play Johansson. But when you play field, I'm not saying like he should be dropped. I'm not saying Don Ball should play, for example. But he doesn't really, he's not progressive at times so I would like to see us play with wingers I don't know whether this would be the right game for it but this is the chance like you say to change something for the run-in so that we could just you know try and inspire a little bit of confidence in the side because it feels like they've gone a bit stale with the formation as it is and they've kind of run out of ideas and it is it's getting to like the sort of square pegs round a hole situation too often. Yeah, the, the thing for me is that I, there's been a lot of talk about teams like figuring us out. I wouldn't say they've necessarily figured us out, but I think it's it's kind of a case of we do invite so much pressure and it could be to do with the shape. It could be to do with Warburton saying, look, just keep the ball, just keep the ball. But we invite so much pressure and we invite teams to press us. And teams just don't have a problem doing that. They're like, okay, fine, we will. And it's like, well, this I don't know. The... I just feel like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. It might be one for Dan, really. But I feel like, you know, we, we just don't get the ball into the final third quick enough. It's just so yeah. slow and so laboured. This is the thing with, as I mentioned, the Swansea game. Swansea obviously like to do uh, pass out from the back as well. And for their first goal, the Fulham press, I mean, Swansea couldn't really do much with it and they were pretty lacklustre, but the Fulham press was scary. They had they were forward yeah. so quickly and they swamped them. There was no... They just Marcus lost... There's no mug. Yeah. He's no mug. He's going to see how teams have played against us and he's going to be like, well, we can do this better than all of them because we're the best team in the league. Absolutely. So that's... I mean, I said I mean for me... Game. That's what I mean. For me, back, back four or back three, they're going to press us anyway. Um, I mean, I highlighted against Cardiff that Dunn was an issue in the build-up, and I think that would be something they look to um, to target as a trigger generally anyway. Um, but on the system change, I mean, for me, I disagree slightly, purely on the basis, not not so much that they found us out, but how many internationals have we got going away? We've got Dunn, um, you've got Chair, I think, is it great? Is great going? There's not there's not enough players yeah, in the two-week yeah. two period to, to have a full squad to to work with this new system. I think when they will re- return, it'll be Thursday evening, Friday morning. 
and we're, we're training for a Saturday three o'clock kickoff. It's just not, you go, you go into a game with a back four or a different system with one, two, two days training and then you've got all the, all the fans moaning that it's not worked. I, I just don't think logistically it's, it's going to work. I think we're just going to have to stick with the system and try and work with that as best we can at the minute. Uh, right. Um, the the other thing I was going to say is the game against West Brom. The goal they conceded from watching the highlights, they kind of had uh, Robert Robinson matched up against Tim Ream a few occasions, and that's eventually how they scored the goal with a ball being played through and Robinson beating him. Do you reckon there's any sort of room for that to happen <clears throat> with us? Um, perhaps putting Gray a little bit wider. I know he's probably going to play as a lone striker, but if he kind of focuses runs down wow. Robinson's side, down Ream's side, beating for pace, put a few balls in behind. I think it's a good shout, but I mean, as Dan had just rightly pointed out, which I didn't think of, Jamaica's last game is at 2am on Thursday. So he's going to be back <laughs> Friday morning, maybe at best. And will he even play? against for them because I think that's a good shout I think you might be right but I think I'd, I'd like to see um, I'd like to see if we play a, a front two if Dykes and Gray um, are fit I mean that could that could work in the sense that obviously Gray um, Gray makes the runs and then Dykes could um, pin himself on Adebayo but yeah okay um, so for this game against Fulham do you reckon this would be a a good idea, perhaps, maybe just to nullify the amount of times that they can press us if we sacrificed a bit more of the possession. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, but then also, we're gonna if they're gonna have a lot of chances in the game, and naturally, I don't know. We go long to Dykes, but obviously, it's dependent on Dykes starting. Um, we sometimes do have a weird persistence with building up continuously short when it's not working. Um, yeah, it's going to, I think it's just going to be a very tough, tough game in general from like different, different points. I mean, they have the quality, good press. Um, yeah, it's going to be very hard to, to, to work around it. Yeah. Cause like, like you said, when, when we're defending, we have got to do everything perfect. Otherwise they will score. And it's not like, earlier on in the season or perhaps previous seasons where you could say, okay, I can accept us conceding a few goals because I have confidence that we might actually go and score more than the opposition. It's not been like that this season. The, the goal difference with, with us is a lot tighter. I think it's only eight at the moment. We've scored like 51 goals or something like that. So we have, we aren't exactly as free scoring perhaps when we had the likes of Eze in the side. So, you know, that's one thing that we kind of have to consider as well. Is there anything else that you would think of that you would like to sort of mention about Fulham before we move on? Um, I mean, there's probably two two things. One, with their, their well, they're probably going to play a 4-2-3-1, but I imagine their front three going to go man-to-man on our back three like um, Blackburn did, um, and so did Cardiff in the second half. So that's going to be an issue in build-ups. And also the fact that they play a back four, um, they have the winger and fullback combinations out wide. Two v one against our wing backs could be an issue. Um, I think I'm sure there's more, but I probably don't really want to depress anyone any further. 
Um, so yeah, I guess that there's just one more thing that I could say about them. In my eyes, this game is a bit of a free pass. Everyone is expecting us to lose. Um, our fans, their fans, other fans of the championship. Um, you know, our form isn't great at the moment. Our local derby record is awful anyway. And, you know, Fulham are in outstanding form. Majority of the time have a incredible striker who's broken records this season. So, you know, I just feel like they could use this break just to sort, just to regroup a little bit, forget, try and forget these last couple of performances and improve on them and just regain some sort of confidence. And then, you know, just go out and dick Fulham. Um, but I don't know. It just feels like we've got an opportunity when you, no one is expecting us to do anything at all. I'd suggest that even in the Fulham side, they're thinking they're probably going to win this game quite easily. And they might prove to be right. But surely this is a massive chance for us just to say, you know what, this is where we send a message to the rest of the sides that we're not out of it and that we're going to fight for every point available. So anything there that I've said that's worthwhile, am I just muttering utter rubbish at the moment? Micah, you seem to... No, 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 I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm just more like trying not to get my hopes up. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's two weeks to kind of accept what's happened, um, move on from it, and kind of, as best we can, try and find a way to finish this season as strongly as possible. Dan, final word in Fulham then? Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not much really to add, but... um... Just on the free pass thing, I get, I totally get what you're saying, but I think we've got to go into this without thinking it's a free pass because we've got eight. I know it's a cliche, but we've got eight cup finals um, coming up. Uh, We're playing Watford eight times in a row. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I do, I do hate the the phrase, but it is, it is somewhat true. Um, we've got even if it's a point, a point is a good point against Fulham. Um, so yeah, we just we've just got to go at it as, as best we can, really, um, and hope for the best. Yeah. So that is it for this week's podcast. Unfortunately, we've had to relive some poor performances from QPR, but hopefully, in the coming weeks, aside can turn it around and prove why we should be in the playoffs. As I said earlier, I still believe it's possible. Other teams will lose games, and hopefully, we will capitalise on that and get ourselves into the position that we want to be. There's no real point really getting worked up of it. It's just football at the end of the day. And really, there's much worse things happening right now. So I'll finish by imploring you, our brilliant listeners, to get behind this team, support them, and try and help them get them over the line. And follow us on Twitter as well. That will definitely help keep your win against them. <laughs> Thank you, Micah and Dan, for joining me this evening. Uh, It's been a bit of a long one, but I've enjoyed it. So thanks a lot. Until next time, come on you us.